Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor at Android Central, and I have our lovely guest today, Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, good sir. Hey, hey, what's happening? Good. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing lovely. Having a little bit of a heat wave here in Toronto, but nonetheless, still good. I also have Chris Waddell. We haven't heard from you in so long. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. We're we're happy that you're on with us again. (laughs) And of course, I've got the very handsome, wonderful man, Derek Lee. Hello, hello. Hey, everyone. Uh, Well, we have a lot to talk about, as we usually do almost every week, Um, but Today's topics, I feel, are kind of like all mismatched. They're kind of all over the place. But we're going to start off with a very, very good article, amazing article, informative article that was written by Jerry. It's titled, Amazon giving ring data to police without a warrant is inexcusable, but allowed per its own policies. Now, this article was was very interesting because Jerry, uh, and obviously I know you're going to talk about this, but he was really great at providing context in terms of what Amazon has done, which was that it revealed um, that it provided ring camera footage to police without a warrant or consent, um, which, I mean, obviously that's not a good thing. But but what I really liked about this article was that you kind of went and read the privacy policies uh, for Amazon, but also for Google's Nest, uh, and how ambiguous and vague these privacy policies are. So um, I'm going to ask you, Jerry, first, tell me your thoughts on writing this article. Yeah. uh, God, this whole thing sucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can understand the argument from both sides. But in the end, I personally think that our privacy should trump everything. But uh, Amazon... And like you said, Google Nest, they lay out the guidelines with how they can share uh, recordings from your cameras. And one of the things they allow is if they fear it could some somebody's in harm or property is in harm or if there's an ongoing investigation, they can share, you know, video that your camera has recorded without asking you and without a warrant. Uh, I hate that. I just absolutely hate that. Th- th- that That's the whole reason for having warrants. No, and I agree. And um, I'm going go. I'm going to actually read um, the the privacy policy that that Amazon has provided in terms of its its Ring devices. So uh, we also may disclose personal information about you. One, if we are required to do so by law or legal process, such as a court order or subpoena. Two, to establish, exercise, or defend our legal rights. Three, when we believe disclosure is necessary or appropriate to prevent physical or other harm or financial loss for in connection with an investigation of suspected or actual illegal activity or five otherwise with your consent. It's so vague. Like, okay, yeah, it, 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 they do lay out, you know, how, what they're going to do and how they plan to disclose, but it it still seems so vague to me. Yeah. You know, when I first heard about this again, I'm like, oh, damn it, Amazon, you done messed up. So the first thing I did was jump and look at their privacy policy. No, they didn't. We messed up. Mm-hmm. We messed up by agreeing to that. If if you think this is wrong, 
you should have never agreed and you should have left your ring camera unopened and sent it back. And that's, that's a really crappy choice. You know, it's, it's, you, th there should be a middle ground. And unfortunately, if you want a cloud connected camera, there where a company like Amazon or, or Google, we're not going to let Google off the hook, keep stuff backed up in the cloud. This is what you have to agree with. Uh, I have cameras here, but mine aren't connected to the cloud and I have a local backup and that's, I get to decide who gets to see the footage. Uh, and I have shared footage with the police. I had somebody take a package off my porch and it looked like they were following the UPS truck. So I thought that was important enough to share and let the police get, you know, a, a driver's or a license plate number and stuff. But that's because I wanted to do it. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I thought was kind of, um, I guess, jarring or shocking is, is I don't know if either of those are the right word, but in your article you wrote, and this is also per uh, another article that was, re that reported on this issue, um, that there was an internal memo, um, yeah. where Amazon basically, um, shares praise from, um, a, a member of the Philadelphia police department who basically said, uh, quote, wish I had some better wording for this, but to put it bluntly, this is just effing awesome. And that was in regard to Ring's relationship with law enforcement, which is, yeah. it's so messed up. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're going to be excited about it, but the, the fact that they do have that relationship is, is pretty. Right. I mean, I mean, you can be, you know, I don't care which side you're on. Some people hate the cops. Some people say stand behind the boys in blue, whatever. Uh, having a, a company that has a hold of so much of your private data have that close relationship with the police where a sergeant from the police force writes them an email thanking them and how much he effing loves it. That's not that's not good. No. And, and, and it again, going back to what you were saying, like, you know, in circumstances when it is required for the safety of an individual or for the greater good, and there is appropriate documents that are, have been shown, like a subpoena or, you know, a warrant or whatever, I feel like in that circumstance, it's okay. But just, yeah, this is like this larger sense of the relationships that big tech, not just Amazon, but Google, Apple, all of these other companies that have that close relationship with not just officials like law enforcement, but there's they probably have similar relationships with the government, right? Oh, um, you you know they do. They have to. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 a crock of crap. Nobody cares about our privacy anymore. And and if you you want to care about it, you have to care yourself because there's nobody out there with any power that's fighting for you. Yeah. Uh, Derek, Chris, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I've as the person who does a lot of smart home stuff, I got a bunch of cameras and I had some beforehand, but I, I've got so many cameras now. And one, Jerry, I, I think I need to have you write up a how to set up local backup for your cameras and it'll work best for that because I have no <laughs> idea how to do that. And that sounds incredible. Um, but second, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, it makes me wonder, you know, it, how do they, you know, so are they constantly just looking through it? So are what's, how do they know whether it's something that needs to be shared with the, with the law, law enforcement? enforcement. Ding, yeah. ding, I mean, ding, they, ding, ding. So how do they know that 
my camera saw something or whatever, you know, because I'm in the neighborhood and they automatically just start watching it and then share it off. Like that kind of stuff definitely is unsettling. And, you know, and I definitely like read Jerry's article and know there should be the option, you know, on as much as we hate, you know, automatically you're opted in by default and you got to opt out. Um, I mean, I, I'd either take that, um, you know, that at least give me the choice at some point in time to remove it from being automatically shared, whether I wanted to or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a computer algorithm and they don't have people that watch every single camera. Well, what but, I was going to say still. is I, I wonder, well, it could be uh, a computer, but I'm wondering if it is actually where, like, for example, let's say there's um, a reported bl- burglary or something like that in a specific neighborhood or like a street. And I I wonder if if that's how they know which camera to look into. I'm I'm sure that that's part of the investigation thing that they mentioned in their privacy policy. And, you know, as much as I don't like it, I, I can see why Amazon would want to cooperate in that case. But the I- immediate physical harm or financial harm, how do they know? And also, how how do they know that it's not going to show other people in the camera frame? Like if there's kids or people who, do you know what I mean? Like, I I wonder. I'll tell you, it it doesn't matter how they know because they don't care. Yeah, that's so messed up to me. If they don't care about the person who gave them the money and they're going to invade that person's privacy, why should they care about it? You know, an innocent bystander. I, I just, it's, it just. It's just so unsettling to know that that is happening. And, you know, I'm I'm in a wheelchair. You know, the greatest thing that was ever invented for me was a ring doorbell. And I I can't use a ring doorbell anymore. Not after, you know, the last time. This wasn't even my final straw. The last time Amazon got cozy with the police was when I decided enough's enough. But uh, it was awful handy being able to see who was at the front door you know, before I try to get myself over there and get it open. But, oh, well, I'm I'm just a, you know, everybody in a wheelchair like me, I'm sorry. But <laughs> you probably should stop using your video doorbell. Yeah, it's it's just awful. Um, okay, well, let's uh, talk about something else that, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if it's awful or if it's a... Uh, bad thing or a good thing or I don't know. But um, I wrote an article, uh, came out a couple of days, a few days ago, actually. It was called, if Samsung launches a Galaxy S22 FE, it should do so, do it sooner rather than later. Um, And the reason why I wrote this article was because there was all these rumors um, that were happening about last month ago, um, stating that Samsung had decided to cancel the S22 FE phone, suggesting that the company isn't working on it anymore. Um, The company did, and to note to to our listeners um, who may have forgotten or or don't know, uh, the company actually rebranded its Galaxy Lite phones in the last two years and since then has released two fan edition phones. Um, And at the time when we wrote that article about those rumors, Samsung came out and said that it, quote, had nothing to share about the rumors. So obviously they're not, they're not going to deny or agree or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, there's this whole, there was this rumor that was swirling around how the S22 FE model uh, might not happen. And I also want to talk about 
another rumor pointing to that Samsung's killing the Galaxy S22 FE in favor of the S22 Ultra, but we'll get to that in a second. I just, I'm curious to know your thoughts on, on Samsung potentially canceling this phone. Um, do you guys think it's a good thing? Do you guys think they should keep it in their rotation of phones? Thoughts? I mean, I think the, the S22 FE should be scrapped. Like, I don't think they should do the 22. And then next year, don't do a regular S23 and mm-hmm. do a 23 FE instead. Because, you know, the the, the rumor of it being it, the FE replacing or not being launched because the S22 Ultra, like, those are not even the same category of phones. So that doesn't make any sense to me at yeah, all. Yeah, I thought that was kind of dumb. Yeah, like, those aren't those aren't even remotely close to the same. So it makes sense. Well, the reason why that was, though, I think was just because of the chip. Um, they were saying how the uh, Samsung wanted to prior- like prioritize its resources for the Ultra instead of like you know giving away more of its chips that it obviously so desperately needs to an FE that maybe no one's going to buy. Yeah, the part they said out loud is we'll make more money if you buy the Ultra. Well, yeah, yeah obviously. I mean, that's the case. But a, a lot of analysts told me that you know, um, like for example, yeah, they're they're there is that conversation around chip shortage, chip shortages. Uh, but one analyst told me, he said, quote, chip shortages and supply chain management is a good reason for anyone to simplify their product line right now. But if there's a strong need for a product, you do what you can to meet demand, which it, yeah. it does make, it makes sense, right? Like you will do whatever you can if you know a specific product will do well. And we know, if I'm not mistaken, that the S21 did uh, sorry, S21 FE did well, if I'm not mistaken, right? Did it? I'm trying to like <laughs> reread my article that I know. I don't know which <laughs> 20 it was, whether it was the 20 or 21, but yeah, one of them was just gangbusters. Yeah, I think I feel like that was the 20 because, yeah, the 20 was awesome, but the 21, like it came out so late, um, like a month ahead of the S22. And the price wasn't even that. Oh, that great. was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, you're right. The S20 FE did well, but the S21 FE did not do so well, and that was because of the whole pricing thing, and the fact that it launched late. Like, and it launched late. late. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't necessarily agree with this chip shortage argument because I feel that if a company saw a specific line of phones or specific line of products that did really well, it would do whatever it took to retain that product in its lineup. See, but that's why I do agree with this chip shortage thing, because if the F21 FE didn't do well, then Samsung's not going to waste its resources on another phone that's not going to do well. That's what I'm saying. I agree. But that's what I'm saying. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wasn't sure if you were disagreeing or agreeing on what. No, no, no. no. I agree with you on that because because then it it bodes well for the argument of that if if it's Ultra Plus phones do well, then they could reserve their chips for that phone. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the regular outsells the ultra by a factor of three to one so if you go by the argument that you know conserve your chips why make the ultra at all then yeah but again the margins and then also like even if if the regular even if the regular does better the fe i don't imagine would do much better than the regular exactly exactly it it won't now i mean it won't if they release it in the fall like that doesn't make any sense because there's too much competition around that lower budget and they're planning on launching they're like 
Z series than anyhow. And so the, by that point, they're really close to launching right. Desk 23. Right. So, and I think if they were like, if they were to do it, I still think it would be a good idea to to launch it in the fall because they're launching all these expensive ass phones. It would be it would be good for holiday season for people right. who want to buy gifts. And I, but I think if they do it too, it needs to be cheaper. The F twenty one FE wasn't well priced, and if they're going to do an F twenty two FE, which I mean, apparently they're not. But even if they did, it 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 would need to be cheaper. No, and I I would agree with you on that one because. That was what that in exactly like you said, that's exactly why the S21 FE failed because they I I believe Samsung re-raised the prices uh the year after the S20 and S21 FE because of the pandemic and all of that stuff. And then they the price of the S the S21 FE was just too high. It just didn't make sense. You know what I'm seeing? A great reason to get rid of it is look how we're all stumbling over how many freaking different models of <laughs> S22 there okay, is. Exactly. So, so good, good, good point, Jerry, because that was another question that I had when I was writing my article, which was, um, was or is Samsung taking a page from OnePlus in streamlining the phones that it's launching throughout the year? Because Because if you remember... I think it was like last year when Sam's or when OnePlus decided that it was going to change its strategy, depending on like which regions they were going to launch phones in and stuff like that. But a lot of people were saying to me, like, no, it, it's not fair to compare Samsung to OnePlus and say that they're changing their strategy and, and all of that, which I thought that was interesting because if they are going to cancel this whole line to begin with, it kind of is changing their strategy. Wouldn't you guys agree? The the early rumor was that they would cancel this line completely, but now, I mean, we're hearing that that's not the case, that they might bring the F23 FE back. And I don't know, like, in what way or fashion they're going to do it. Um, but, like, I... The thing, the, thing that, the thing about the FE for me, and I think one of our other writers kind of touched on this, is that, I don't know, the Fan Edition phone isn't you know kind of like we were saying how like you know we're stumbling over all these different like samsung models and things i think if samsung like if they i think samsung really needs to differentiate the fe from the regular model because i i feel like the f21 the s21 fe was not that different and i like especially now given like the whole chip thing with like the uh Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, you know, and the whole throttling issue. And then now the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 is a lot better and more efficient, more, you know, more performance. I think if Samsung was going to launch this phone, they would need, like, one way to differentiate it would be to launch it with this newer chip. Yeah. And then, but- and then, and then you know, I don't know, like, get rid of like another feature or, you know, something here or there, you know, to kind of bring the price down. But I think that would be a good way to differentiate this phone if they were to launch it. Well, and that's kind of what OnePlus did with their T-Series. Like when the T-Series would come out, if there was like a a newer version, like they usually get the plus or whatever of the new processor. But I think part of what Samsung did when they messed up with the 21 FE is, is kind of where the situation they're in for this year with the 22 FE is that, the timing between the 21 and the 20 FE 
was different. Like the 20 FE came out earlier and it was quite a bit lower priced than the regular S20. And so that's why it did so much better. And the 21 FE came out so much later, it wasn't price different. And from a spec and build standpoint, it wasn't a whole lot different either. And so they gave it a plastic body, but they didn't change much in the pricing. And so that kind of made it hard to recommend that over the regular S21. Like if you're going to call it a fan edition phone, like, you know, give it (laughs) like, get like, there's no good reason to call it a fan edition phone right now. Like it's just an F a slightly watered down S 21. Well, there, there never was a good reason to call it a fan edition other no. than it sound, <laughs> no. I mean, other than like, like, cheap, like cheaper, cheaper pricing, like was one, was one like, you know, that was, that was a good point. Like, you know, to call it that I think and originally, but now we kind of lost that. And so we Light need another reason right to call it, it a fan edition yeah. phone. But I thought, I thought the reason why they were called fan edition phones was because it took things that that cuz customers really liked and they put that in it, am i getting that wrong with that yeah, definition what, the the fan edition took out the things that the customers loved that made samsung phones better than the rest on the yeah, hardware that, that's side that's what i assumed it was the, right but the fan edition took them away uh, not as good of a screen a plastic body uh the fan edition wasn't built for hardcore Samsung super fans. It wasn't fans. built for fans. And, no. And I think that, that like, That's Samsung so needs to rethink its <laughs> fan edition phones and, well, like, and do what OnePlus is doing and give us a better chip or something like that. But, like, still try to make it cheaper. And I think they need to go different. I think they need a different direction than that even. I think they need to go more of a Google direction. So instead of doing three phones, a, a regular, a plus, and an ultra in the spring, just do your two. Do your do a plus, do a plus that doesn't sound like you're giving people a, a lesser of phones. So do a plus and a pro or whatever stupid naming convention they want to do. And then do in the summer, do your A series for them would be their FE and do that. And that way you have a bigger price gap between your base model and your 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 fan edition, your cheaper model, which is what's worked for Google and with its A models, and you know Samsung's gonna get way better press and way better feedback off of its normal phones than Google ever does. And I think if they do that, then they have a better chance of making the FE seem like something people should actually buy. I think that's a story in and of itself of like, are we launching too many phones in a year? Samsung has a phone literally every price point from like a hundred bucks up to $1,800 with a $50 gap between every price. Like, I don't think they're going to short themselves if they don't put out three phones in the spring. So I think they'd be better off doing more of a Google where they do a regular and a pro and then an A series or an FE later. Well, we also have to remember that why buy the FE? Why why not buy a Galaxy A series if you want to save money? Uh, Samsung just knows if it keeps throwing stuff out there every, you know, it's like a fisherman. If you don't get a bite, you still keep casting out. Eventually, you'll catch a fish. And yeah, and Samsung has such a big, like, their their phones are pretty much everywhere, like globally. Um, So like, yeah, we have all these A series phones, but like not all of them are available in the U.S., uh, particularly these newer models. Um, and so a lot of them are kind of like region locked or whatever. So yeah, I think, I don't know. Like, Sam, like I, I get what Samsung's doing. I just, I'm not a fan of it. You're not a fan. <laughs> Samsung's not casting. They're not casting because they're not getting bites. They're chumming the water with 5,000 phones a year yeah. and just <laughs> going that route. But I, I still say the, the the one thing to take away, the best 
S22 FE you can buy is called the Galaxy S21. That's where you should spend your money. Yeah, that's true, especially, you know, given the fact that Samsung extended its software support. Yep. And it's still a and good phone. The pricing know. would be about the same, you know, based on what they have been charging. And <laughs> you're not going to notice a performance difference between the chip that Samsung has to throttle to hell and back, which no other company that uses that chip does. So Samsung can blame it on the chip if they want. But uh, you're not going to notice any bit of damn difference just by the S21. Mm-hmm. In fact, buy a used one. Save even so, more money. Moral of the story is just buy an S21. Is that going to be the title of our podcast? <laughs> Sir, uh, what, what does Samsung call it? The certified renewed? Yeah. Yeah. That or even if you just want to buy it from Swappa, they're, they're still every bit as good a phone as they were the day they released them. And, you know, they're they're probably in some ways a better phone than an S22 FE would have been. It's not going to be plastic. <laughs> it's not going to have a, a Actually, low resolution the, the screen. Actually, the S21 is, is plastic. Is the, is the glastic, yeah. Oh, which actually, you know, so it's going to be the same thing anyways. It's going to be more durable than a glass one would be anyhow. Okay, so moral of the story, buy a, a, a used S21 or a refurbished S21, rather. Or even a brand new one. Or a brand new one. Okay, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. Uh, so don't go anywhere, guys, and we'll be right back. Okay, I know you all are trying to figure out what is so great about Indeed. Um, I mean, obviously you can find jobs and you can apply to jobs, but what is really interesting about Indeed is if you are hiring for someone. You know, Indeed is one of those platforms where the hiring is so easy. You can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And you don't have to spend hours on trying to find a person who fits the right skills. It just, it makes it all easy. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash ACP. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash ACP. That's indeed.com slash ACP. Don't forget terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. So, like I mentioned, if you need to hire someone, you need Indeed. Okay, uh, welcome back. That was a riveting conversation about the S22 FE. Ah. (laughs) So Samsung, if you're listening, fix your lineup of stuff. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I want to talk about another... I picked articles. I just realized I picked uh, all the articles today that we're talking about written by every single person on this podcast, which is, I think I that's thought that really was cool. on purpose. I didn't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't do that on purpose. I just, I just thought those, these were the most interesting topics this week. Uh, so our next thing that I want to talk about is written by the lovely Derek. Uh, he You're wrote, welcome. <laughs> he wrote, I'm stupid excited for the future of Wear OS thanks to the new Snapdragon W5 Plus Gen 1. I hate every single company that chooses to name all of their things so difficult and long. It's the worst. Anyways, <laughs> um, 
Okay, so Derek, you 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 wrote this article uh, knowing that Qualcomm, you know, is is going to be providing new chips to to specific uh, watches, and that could potentially improve uh, smart watches um, that are coming out uh, this year. So tell us about it. And I and as you are, I wanted to quote a really good quote from your article that was said by Jerry. So don't say that if you're going to say it. I wasn't gonna say it, but I, I know what you're gonna. I know what you're gonna say. Um, I don't. I've uh, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you do. Um, I no. I'm okay. Let me just, I guess, preface this by saying I'm a bit of like a wearless fanboy. I I've been waiting. Like there have been like rumors here and there of you know this new chip and. You know, at first it didn't seem like this new chip was was going to be much of an upgrade, but uh, when Sam when when Qualcomm announced this chip, I don't know, I just I couldn't help but get super excited. Um, Derek, I think you're just I think you're just reaching for another floundering platform or product uh, to replace yeah. your LG love. <laughs> See, this is why I picked this because I knew I knew there was going to be some good debates going on between Chris and and Derek. Leave him alone. Uh, Derek's allowed to like stupid, shitty products. <laughs> well, no, wow. and this is okay. And so, to quote Jerry, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and and Derek quoted him in his article. He said, "As our Jerry Hildenbrand so eloquently put it." Eloquent. Actually, I'm gonna read the, I'm gonna read the paragraph before as well, actually. So <laughs> we're gonna start this again. So these were still improvements over their pre- predecessors, but even the newer models still paled in comparison to smartwatches from Apple and even Samsung's older Tizen watches. As our J- Jerry Hildenbrand so eloquently put it, being better than the previous poor experience isn't good enough when you can't get a good or better experience from something else. Oh, that wasn't a dumb thing. Good, good, good. <laughs> no, no, that's why that's Take why back, I threw Derek. it in there because I I really like that because you know I've used the first uh, Wear OS watch that I used was the Fossil Gen Five, which was using the Snapdragon thirty one hundred. Which I mean is whatever you know. It it wasn't the greatest greatest. You can experience. say it. It was garbage. It, yeah. it, Derek, it, I don't know if you've suffered garbage, through Wear yes. OS long yeah. enough. If the first watch you used was the but uh, you know when. When Qualcomm announced these new 4100 where, uh, chips, you know, it seemed like a pretty good upgrade. And, you know, having used the TicWatch uh, E3 and the uh, Skagen Foster Gen 6, which used uh, the, the plus variant of that chip, um, you know, performance isn't bad. Like, it, yes, it's not perfect, but, like, it's so much better than the 3100. Um, you know, I'm not, like... You know, I'm not trying to like. I'm not tempted to throw my watch out the window um, every time I use it. Um, so, like, you know, perform like, you know, especially for Wear OS two, like it performs surprisingly well, um, which is why I'm again so excited for these new chips because, like, you know, going from a you know twelve nanometer process down to a four nanometer, which is you know, I think Samsung and the Galaxy Watch. Four is using a five nanometer process for its chipset, um, so there's going to be like I don't know, like so much more efficiency. There's all these like new low power modes for like all these different like features. Um, like I feel like Qualcomm is really putting its best foot forward with this new chip. 
And I'm just ex- so excited, especially when it comes to Wear OS 3, which already Google is promising, you know, performance and efficiency when, you know, whatever quote unquote stock version of that, you know, finally launches um, on, you know, these older smartwatches. So I'm excited to see how Wear OS 3 performs with this new chip. Okay. So with that being said, I do have a question that I'm going to pose to to everybody because obviously I think, you know, yes, it, it it makes sense to get excited over a new chip because, you know, new chips can add value to the performance of a smartwatch or a smartphone, whatever it may be. But do people really care about that? Um, considering that the there is this potential that the Pixel Watch is going to be using an older chip. Um how important, and maybe this is something that I don't know if Jerry or Chris could answer, or maybe even you, Derek, but how important is having this chip in newer watches, knowing that there is an older chip that might be used in the Pixel Watch? The specific chip, whatever, like announcements like, you know, this new chip are probably not what consumers care about. What they cons- what they care about is just if it performs well. And that. That's partly why I think this new chip is important. Like, you know, the specifics or whatever, you know, consumers may not care about, but just if it performs well, then yeah, like, I think it matters. I think we're going to find out from the Pixel Watch how much it actually matters and how much people care. Because... Well, that is if it is using an older... Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, because if if the Pixel Watch does use the older watch and it performs well and there's, you know... Nobody, I mean, the average consumer doesn't care what chips in their phone or watch or tablet or whatever. They just want to make sure they're using it. it does whatever they want it to do and it doesn't slow down and doesn't, you know, hiccup and all that kind of stuff. So I think if the Pixel Watch does use the older, an older, older, uh, older chip and it performs well, then I think it, it, it could do two things for the new Qualcomm chip. It could either say, you know, it was, it was Google's fault with Wear OS and it was terrible and snap and Qualcomm's chips maybe weren't as terrible as we thought. And it was just all Wear OS's problem. Or it could also make it where, you know, the Qualcomm chip seem like it, it, it'll have to be, it'll seem like is the chip getting supported enough from Google to make it worth everything that it can do because no chip that Google's ever put Wear OS on had as much potential as the Qualcomm chip was. So I think, I think we got so much of a chicken and egg situation that it really depends on how much Google utilizes what the chip can do and how much it optimizes because again like you said this could have always just been you know a wear os problem um and i feel like if google is going to use this older chip then they're really putting in they're they're obviously putting an effort to optimize wear os to the point where you know this older chip like it won't matter because it'll still perform well and that's that's kind of why i'm excited to see what like what we get out of Wear OS 3 when it starts arriving on older watches to see how they perform. I, I don't, I've heard rumors that it probably won't go to older watches. Now, officially it was stated that it would last fall, that it was in yeah. 2022 is going to happen, but you know, things change, but I'm also kind of wondering, you but know, I, if Go- I, I want actually, sorry to interrupt you, but I wonder if it, I, I don't, I personally don't think it will go to older watches because no. Because they will be introducing newer watches, why would they want to waste their time on older watches? I don't know. I, I kind of disagree. And the only reason because um, this new 
I, I, I won't say it correct, but this new Mont Blanc chip. Mont Blanc? <laughs> Whatever. Um, Mont Blanc? Is, is using Qualcomm's 4100 chipset, and it runs Wear OS 3. Um, so I don't see, like, yes, you know, I could see the argument of, like, you know, not bringing it so that, like, you know, people can buy these newer watches. But, I mean, you know, with with Android phones, you know, you still, you're still getting these updates with newer phones coming out. So I don't, I, I, I think that's kind of, like, not a good argument there. No, and it, it would completely suck for the people who already have bought those watches and that update doesn't go to them. Right, and we don't want to pull a Microsoft with, with Windows, uh, what was it, Windows Vista? Phone 7 and then Windows Phone oh. 7.5 and then Windows Phone 7.8 and then Windows Phone 10. Like, Google would, I don't, it would just suck if Google pull the Microsoft on us. And I don't think that, I don't think that they would do that. I, I hope it does. And I think it should go to older, older watches that run, you know, if we say it has to be 4,100 processor, I hope it does go to those purely for the fact that it'll give, you know, a lesser expensive option because, you know, these newer watches are going to be stupid expensive and it's already been, you know, the rumors are that the pixel watch is going to be at a, a premium price anyhow. So I think at least gives the option opportunity for a lower cost watch to be able to be in the market running Wear OS 3. What a disadvantage to anyone who buys the Pixel watch. Not only are they getting a watch that is going to be expensive, but they're going to be getting a watch that potentially has an older chipset. Like that That sucks, probably man. runs better than all the others. That's, I mean, I can't help but look at this like through the lens of a hardware development company. And I don't mean Qualcomm. I mean the people who buy things from Qualcomm to build products. Uh, the, the, the fact that we're having this conversation just shows what a massive failure this was on Google's part. Which part? All of it. The, I mean, the fact that when where, when what was it, Android Wear, when it first launched, it was fine on really, really crappy hardware. It, you know, you can say, well, it didn't do a lot. It didn't. Uh, so Google wants it to do more, and the platform got worse and worse and worse. The requirements got higher and higher. You know, the hardware requirements got higher and higher and higher, and it was never a great experience. Uh, the Galaxy Watch 4, I, I, I wear one every day. I have it on my wrist right now. It's not great. It's It's not as terrible as things were, you know, a year and a half ago, but it's not, it's not great. I wouldn't rush out and buy one knowing what I know now. And that's, you know, this was Google's problem to address. The fact that Qualcomm feels it needs to build something that's 85% more powerful just to, so it, its partners can be competitive is terrible. But then again, I mean, you know, Qualcomm only releases a chip every two to three years for smartwatches. So I don't think it's really that Qualcomm felt obligated to like, oh, we need to make something competitive. No, it's just like, it just needed something new. It was time. Um, Maybe. And and I wonder like with the Galaxy Watch, because Samsung threw in a lot of, I feel like Samsung threw in a lot of extra stuff in the Galaxy Watch like especially with one UI watch on top of it. So I wonder if like 
that is like you say it's not a great phone. I wonder, or a great smartwatch. I wonder if that is part of the problem as well. Because you're saying that Google made Wear OS worse by trying to include all these new features. And then on top of it, we have Samsung now coming in and trying to bring in all these new features specific to its Galaxy well, Watch. I'm not saying that the features are what made it worse. I'm saying the fact that these features were added and everything got slower and really bad battery life tanked because these features were added. The first thing that Google needed to address is how can we make our software better without making the watches themselves a worse product? You really need to take an approach like they do with their cameras forever when they had the same sensor for four generations of phones that still had the best that's one way to look at it yeah yeah this was google's baby and it was google's responsibility to fix and instead they let it progress to where we are today and to be quite honest i i don't know that google can fix this i think we're going to find out more as we start seeing more watches when wear os3 because with the only option we can't concurrently use outside the 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 fancy mb word um mont blanc or whatever it is Outside of that one, <laughs> outside of that Shut one, up, I'm, I'm the redneck from Kansas. I don't know how to say those words. But when we use those, like with that watch, like that's the only other example we'll have, you know, until Pixel Watch or Mobvoy or whoever the next watch is that's going to run in, you know, these new processors and Wear OS 3. But the only example we have is Samsung's Watch 4 series. And it, for all intents and purposes, it ties in with Google Play services in it now. And so it's it's hard to tell what it's going to look like and how it's going to perform down the line. But this whole Qualcomm and Pixel Watch thing also kind of has me wondering. So there's a little bit of falling out last year as the rumors were coming out that the older watches running the 4100 series would get Wear OS 3 in 2022. Where Qualcomm or, or I can't remember if it was a manufacturer said, yeah, it's going to happen. And then Qualcomm says, yes, it is. And then, like, the same day, Google comes out and says they don't know what they're talking about, basically, and says it's not happening. Well, when Qualcomm made that statement or whatever, it was referring also to the Snapdragon Wear 3100, um, saying that, like, oh, these watches can technically run it, too. Um, So I think that's where Google was like, wait, hold on, calm (laughs) down. So, yeah, it is, like, I don't know. There was a weird tension there, um, I feel like, but... um, you know, since then, Google had come out to say that, like, yes, older watches will be getting Wear OS 3. Well, I, I look at it from a different perspective. I know some people listening have used a Raspberry Pi. But if you haven't, imagine the cheapest $49 Android phone you can buy from Amazon. That's got a whole lot better hardware inside it than you'll find on the board of a Raspberry Pi. But yet, a Raspberry Pi does everything it needs to do it does it well and you can make it do anything else you want and it still does it well where is that that disconnect coming from it's it it can't be just hardware it can't be just software it's the way they work together and the only company that can do anything about that is google which is why I'll I'll hold off on being stupid excited for Wear OS three until Google does a tensor a Wear tensor chip and then puts Wear OS three oh, on. Don't it. say that. <laughs> <laughs> that that would make the problem worse. I will say that I uh, um, there was a point that you made, uh, Chris. Um, Thank you about whatever. I'm not going to say it anymore. No. Um, the, there was this point that like oh you know. 
we like it was kind of like we should continue at least launching these 4100 watches as like a cheaper wear os sort of thing because like yeah with these new chips you know watches are probably going to be a little bit more expensive whatever but like wear os still works well with the 4100 chips and i think that one thing that wear os is kind of missing is you know we need more affordable and like smart watches but that's not the way to do it don't settle for that don't say, well, if you want it affordable, you have to use something that's not as good. Screw that. Google, fix your shit. Well, well, I mean, that's what Android does. I mean, we have all these like lower-end chipsets for that reason. So why not do the same with Wear but OS? These lower-end chipsets perform at a level much closer to reality than watches with poor hardware. I mean, when again, the 4100... Plus that I'm using on my Scoggin, it's not perfect, yes, but it still performs pretty well. My TickWatch Pro 3 Ultra, again, names, but it, I mean, it works just as well as my Galaxy Watch 4 Classic does as far as like, like responsiveness and things like that. And, you know, it gets significantly better battery life, but part of that's because of the hardware differences. What it does today, how it works today, it's done. As new features and new ideas get baked into Wear OS, uh, those very expensive watches you two just told me about, they're not ever going to see any of them. They they get nothing. That's what, you know what, you want affordable? We're done with you. You get nothing. That's a crappy thing to accept. Don't accept that. Okay. Wow. I just, I think Google's <laughs> the second largest tech company in the world. They can fix this. I just don't understand why they won't. Well, on that note, (laughs) I want to talk about my last uh, topic, which was written by Chris, an equally very, very good article, and I really enjoyed reading it. If you haven't read it, it got published today. Uh, It's Thursday, July 21st, as we're recording this, but it got published today. And it's called TikTok's Warning Labels Won't Ease Parental Concerns Over the App, and They Shouldn't. Now, uh, before we talk about the article, I'm just going to uh, let you guys know what these new um, features TikTok is is doing. So essentially, they are going to start flagging videos with mature or complex themes uh, intended for viewers that are 18 years and older. Uh, and they're, the way that they're going to do this is going to be similar to sort of movies um, based on uh, the, the maturity level, um, similar to film and TV industry ratings. Um, and Chris's article uh, was really good because he um, not only kind of talks about these warning labels that that companies place, but kind of relates it back to his own experience as being a father and also um, how he doesn't believe that no, no, no amount of um, these warning labels are going to ever really protect kids. Um, so, Chris, do you want to tell us your thoughts on this? Actually, first, tell me tell me how you feel about, I mean, obviously, if you read the article, you, you can have this clear f- indication of how you feel about companies <laughs> doing this. But maybe let's start off with there. Like, how do you feel about it when, when companies like TikTok or Instagram or um, any any of these social media apps or companies, when they come out and they say, oh, like, we're trying to make more. Uh, we're we're trying to include labels now for young for 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 people so that that kids don't get affected like. When you see a company do this, how does that make you feel? 
Uh, it makes me feel two things. One, one hopeful, and the second disappointed because I know it's not going to work. It's in the in the article I go to say how anything that's that is user content generated. There's there's no way any of these these companies or apps are going to be able to completely fix the problem. It just won't happen. Like I don't know. It, it to me it almost gives parents of children false hope. Like when they see that they're doing this, the parents are like, oh, now it's safe. It's got the TikTok did this or YouTube did that. And it's going to make it better for my kids. I can feel more comfortable being on there and they're not going to be exposed to stuff they shouldn't see. But it, it doesn't it doesn't work. I mean, it may block out some of the unfortunately block out some of the the dumber people who post a video who don't know how to, you know, tweak a hashtag or or phrasing or upload it differently to skirt their their. um filters or something like that um it'll catch some of those but you know part of what tiktok's doing is with the labels like i appreciate it. i mean it, it's something i could rather them do that than nothing um but i think it's not it's not going to do much else i mean just because it's got a label on it doesn't mean you know a kid who wants to see an r movie doesn't mean that they can't watch an r movie just because it says r it's not like the movie knows the kid is six and is going to try and watch an r movie well, I was going to say, and also, like, there is this rule on TikTok that you have to be 13 years old to be able to actually have an account. Um, but you could lie about your age <laughs> yeah. on, on the app. Yeah. And you yeah. can... I mean, they're not making you provide government-issued IDs or birth yeah. certificates or anything. Yeah, your, yeah, parents, yeah. your parents' fingerprint or anything like that to verify. So, I mean, that that's fine. Like, they have to do something. But it's not going to stop any of this. And, you know, and, and maybe this is the... Uh, uh, a step in the right direction. Like they're going to start with this and then maybe TikTok's going to do some things with their algorithm or whatever that'll do a better job of, you know, catching these and automatically filtering them out or something like that. But as it stands now, like you said, you have to be 13 to have your own personal account. And TikTok has what they call family pairing, where if the teenager, the child has, wants to download the app, they want to install it. The parent enables family pair. And then the child has to scan a QR code from the parent's account the parent's phone to activate it on their own phone. And then the parent then gets some, some parental controls and there's not a lot there. Um, This is not complicated at all. No. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I do like that the kid can't just install it and say, yep, I'm of age. Like they at least have to have their parent. I mean, granted sneaky kids are going to be sneaky kids, but they have to get their parent's phone and they have to scan a QR code in it and stuff like that. But I mean, they also have, so they have that. And then they've got restricted mode, which can work on any TikTok account. So I turned it on on mine for a day and outside of removing the ability to search for videos and the for you tab and the following tab or whatever at the top, it didn't really change a whole lot. Like I was still seeing videos of, you know, somebody cooking with songs in the background that I don't want my kids hearing that are definitely not kid appropriate. So it doesn't, it doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, I was still coming across videos where people are doing dumb things with their vehicles and dangerous driving it off of cliffs and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't my kid doesn't need to be seeing that. So it doesn't it doesn't change a whole lot. And there's not a lot. There's no filters or, or sliders to change what they can and can't see. It's just on and off. And that's all that's there. So what you've done in this article that I think is really great, and I encourage everyone to read this article, is that you've actually indicated companies that have gotten it right because it's not just the products that they're releasing, which are kid-specific technological devices, but it also incorporates software that allows kids to learn about technology in a a safer manner, right? Yeah. I mean, I I call out specifically Pinwheel, and I kind of talk about them. So they're a company that does um, offers phones for kids and the phones are, aren't 
anything special. Like it's not a specific hardware. I think the one that I, I did my review on is a Samsung A32 or something like that, I think. Um, but it's the software they have on it. So it's, it's it's similar if you think of like an Amazon Fire tablet where it's Android, but it's a custom version with with stuff from the at the OS level that adds additional parental controls. Um, and so, but like Amazon, they've got, Pinwheel has great parental controls and an app and a portal that allows you to do different things and control all different levels of the phone. And, you know, you can set the phone up for ages, you know, six years old to six to 10 and 10 to 14 and 14 on up. And each layer you can, the parent can go in and allow things that they feel that their child is ready for or remove things that they don't uh, carte blanche, like individually and, and not have to, or not carte blanche. Um, Mont Blanc. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Plus enough. Without going carte blanche. That's what I meant. Um, so it, it does a lot better. And, you know, and so having a device that's designed for kids, whether it's hardware or software, but they really need to work together. But the most important part of it's going to be the software because the hardware is what it is. It's nothing special, but the amount of software that the company does who's making it for kids that's that's more important and some companies uh gab wireless i've reviewed their smartphone for kids as well as their watch it's great like the kid isn't going to do hardly anything on it because it's it's pretty bare like it's basic things like a calculator phone and calendar and messaging or whatever um and whereas pinwheel will allow apps to be installed that they have scanned through they feel are appropriate and they give you all these different things you can choose to install it choose not to they tell you what to watch out for it all these things so it's it allows these types of things allows parents more granular control over what's going on with their kid's phone um but i can tell you tiktok isn't even an option for something like a pinwheel um you can request to be added as an app that you can then uh, enable for the device but these t- smaller companies that are doing these things like they're they're doing more um I would like to say they're doing more with less uh, because at Google, like Jerry said, one the second largest tech company in the world, they've got family link and it's been around for a long time. They've got a newer kind of newer. It's been a year or two called Google kids space, which is an interface for tablets, similar to like an Amazon fire kids tablet. Um, but it, it does something. It's better than nothing. So if you're going to give your, your child a phone, at least put something, if you're doing an Android phone, at least do family link on it. So you at least have some sort of, idea of what's going on with that you can kind of restrict some of the stuff on it but it it isn't gonna it doesn't add any additional filters to an app if you allow your child to install tiktok on their phone and they're not 13 um and you set it up for them or whatever because that's what you want to do because you feel that your child can you know is going to learn stuff or get entertained or find something from tiktok and all that stuff is out there but there's plenty of stuff that kids definitely shouldn't see but just because you have family link on the phone, if you allow that your child to have TikTok, family link isn't going to do anything for it. And neither will Pinwheel or Amazon Fire Kids tablet or any of those other things. So in the end, like it ultimately comes down to as the parent, like you, you're going to have to be actively involved in what your kid is doing and accessing on their phone and reviewing these things with them and having these conversations because, you know, TikTok is trying to add additional filters to help kids and parents see the videos that are and are not appropriate for their their child or whoever's viewing it or whatever um but you can't trust that they're going to keep your kids safe just because their algorithm and tiktok says that we're going to stop these things they're they're not i mean not that they don't want to but they're not going to be able to stop it and so uh it all it comes down to regardless of what company says their parental controls are like it's easy to fall into the trap of saying yeah amazon's got great parental controls for their amazon kids stuff and they do 
but it they're not going to catch everything and there's still going to be an ad or something pop through that's going to you may come across your kids and ask you hey what is this and you're like how did that end up there and it's it's unfortunate but it's just part of the game of being a parent and letting your kid or, or somebody who isn't exposed to that kind of stuff see and use tech well there you have it folks wow. <laughs> you said something that really struck me you say not that they don't want to make this better I think you're letting these companies off the hook a little bit. I, I, I say they don't want, I think they, they are trying to do this and, and I was trying to not go too far down, but I think they're putting this in there because all they care about. And like we we're talking about earlier with ring and all these other companies, they just want data. That's all they want. And another viewer, another person using is more data. So they, it's not just that though. Like they want to ensure that they are still around because not only can they make money from your data, but they don't want to be banned by the government. And so Mm -hmm. they're going to do everything they can to quote unquote show face and do what they need to do to stay. Maybe I'm thinking of it too simply. And that's, you know, that's a thing, guys. But the solution here is obvious. Curation, an actual human being. Whether you say, okay, these creators are approved for a children's account or... If I create something on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, kids don't get to see it until somebody watches it and says, yes, it can be approved. Don't let algorithms do it. Don't, you know, try to make filters to opt stuff out. Opt things in. So even have a creator's level where these creators have to apply to be in the a a kid, a kid approved, you know, lane or whatever. Yeah. I don't know why it's viewed or something. Yeah. I I don't know why that's not the, you know, the standard and how this is done. I'm sure there's a, a technical and financial reason, but I just don't understand it. But actually fun fact that already does take place because, um, I'm going to say like five or six years ago, I can't remember when, but I was, um, I just, I had, I was, Working in journalism, obviously, but um, at at a time when um, I wanted to do more work on the side. And so I applied for this job um, and it it was like a work from home online kind of job. And essentially it was this company that they didn't tell me who their client was, but essentially what the and I actually never passed the test because I don't know, maybe I'm just like there's something wrong (laughs) wrong with me. But like evidently. Yeah, the test that I had to do to be able to work with this company for their client was I had to watch YouTube videos and I had to judge whether or not the YouTube video was like it it met specific categories. Um, So whether it was mature or if it used bad language or, you know, if it was appropriate, like there was like a whole bunch of things that I had to like check mark and I obviously failed. <laughs> I, I can just imagine Shruti like watching a clip of like Game of Thrones and being like, oh that's good for kids. <laughs> no, I swear. I, kids I watched, like dragons, like, right? Yeah, that's 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 what I, I I think I must have watched some clip that was just like, oh, this is just like this is fine. Like whatever, who cares? <laughs> so I'm totally okay with my it. Obviously it doesn't have kids. It doesn't exactly. No. <laughs> but I, I I they were like, oh, we can't tell you who the client is, but I'm like, oh, I bet you it's like YouTube or something or like Google. <laughs> That's trying it to was do that. probably a p- parental control company or that. Yeah, and I, you know that that I, I'm glad that at least one of them is doing that. Uh, I still say this is something that the TikToks and YouTubes of the world need to do themselves. 
But, you know, they're, they're going to rely on the algorithm to do it for them. Why spend yeah. more money on people and uh, hire no. more people, you know, when it's easier for a machine to do it? Mm. It is what it is. Anyways, um, I want to end this conversation by asking my very, my most favorite question, which is, what made you happy this past week that was not work-related? Who wants to go first? Well, if we make it what's making me happy and miserable, I can go. Okay, what's making you happy and miserable? But I want you to start off with what's making you miserable first and then happy. Well, it's the I... same thing. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quitting smoking it again. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah. congrats. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been smoking since I was 13, guys. It's way back then it wasn't supposed to be bad for you. And I've quit a million times. And... Of course, that's an equal number of times I've went back to it, and I don't know. I, I I'm I'm glad about the money I'm going to save and how cool everything's going to be. And you know, there's that health thing that's great too. I'm I'm mostly concerned about the money, <laughs> the money. because I am cheap. But well, I'm glad I'm glad you're you're taking care of your health. That's good. But this 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 is just miserable. To, nicotine should have never been allowed to to be sold i will say uh so i recently lost my grandfather to cancer um he'd smoked pretty much all his life like a chimney um and then i also my my grandmother his ex-wife also passed away from lung cancer um before i was born so i pretty much lost both my parents to uh lung cancer and so to hear you say that you are trying to quit smoking makes me very happy because I care about your health, Jerry. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I'm trying to quit. I have to say I'm quitting. Mm, yeah. Because yes. I don't want to give the myself that The fact that you're that quitting out. makes me yeah. happy. Yes. Yeah. And, I like that. you know, I, I hope this sticks. I really hope it does. It will. And, we we and, love you, Jerry. You know, and you, we, every time, I think someone said on, on one of our meeting calls when you had actually... I I jumped on in the last minute, but you you were saying this, and then someone said, "Every time, uh, for as long as it takes, we'll take one of your articles." So every every day huh. or something like huh. that. So we're we're happy to hear this. <laughs> yeah, because I I pretty much hate everything. I mean, I apparently you. listening to myself, I, I hate Google most of all today. But <laughs> I just everything is terrible. And I assistant you. just chimed in to listen to me say how much i hate everything every day i'll keep talking and you keep listening you little son of a bitch yeah google's employees are like listening like oh we need to do something okay about who, this. who wants to go next i'll go ahead and go i so mine uh i've had a polaris ranger for the last six years so it's a utv vehicle it's got a dump bed in the back and it can see my whole family i use it to do various chores around my house and do a little back road driving when we're just kind of hanging out. And so I've had it for years, but it's not really made for driving up and down the road, 40 miles and things like that. So I made the choice to swap out for that for a razor, which more of an off-road vehicle. And unfortunately, fun. yeah, oh, it no. was great. So much fun. However, two weeks after having it, I was driving it on the road with my kids and everybody in it. And it was 105,000 degrees outside <laughs> and uh, felt broken and it stranded us on the side of the road. And so 
if you've ever had one of those and had to work on them or have somebody work on them, they're very expensive. And I'm very happy that I was able to fix it myself and only, only spend about 800 bucks in parts to do it because the quote to have it fixed at the shop is going to be closer to $3,000. So that made me very Ooh. happy and it is up and running. And I've done some test drives to break in the belt this last weekend and it was great. What's that belt made out of? Gold and human remains i mean well, the, the belt's not the expensive part so unfortunately when mine broke the person the the people i bought it from before and if it was them or something or whatever it was i had to replace both clutches inside it because it's a cbt transmission so it uses two clutches there's no gears for those who aren't, aren't aware of these things but the belt broke and one of the clutches has a bolt that holds it on when the clutch wheels and there's no bolt in it. So it slid around when the belt broke, it caught a spring inside of it and ripped the spring out and it oh my chipped yeah. and chewed up all of the, the clutches. And so I couldn't, I couldn't use them anymore. Otherwise it just tear off. So I had to replace both of those two. Yeah. That's you didn't awful. fix that in the side of the road. <laughs> no, no, that, that <laughs> was a fun trip getting that back onto a trailer and hauling it the 10 miles back home. And it sat there for a while while I researched and found parts and I, did it all myself and had no clue what I was doing. But That's right. It happened. At least you could fix it. Good yep. on them and good on you for getting it done. Yep. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you were able to get it fixed. Um, Derek, your turn. So what's making me both miserable and happy... Is, that's uh, not that's no this is not the, <laughs> that's, that's really that's the name of the segment <laughs> no actually i the name of the segment is it's mont blanc not mount blank <laughs> i yes. have i have titled our <laughs> thing okay anyways continue Derek. Um, i uh have been on a diet we love diets like the past ish. week or so <sighs> that explains so much I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> um, yes, I've been on a diet and I've been like, I don't know, just really good about going to the gym like early in the morning because I go out like five in the morning and I've been using creatine again. So I'm curious as to how that's going to work out. And I don't know. I think I'm, I'm just like, <sighs> I miss carbs, but I also miss having abs. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you win some, you lose Sacrifices. some. Sacrifices, <laughs> exactly. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that I've been like sticking to this, and uh, it's also making me pretty miserable. What's what's creatine? I mean, creatine. creatine it's like, um, I, I don't really know exactly what it is, but is it's it like, like, this, like ketamine or uh, no? Um, it's like it's, it's like more this like, like powder stuff that like essentially oh, so it is like ketamine. It, like, it um <laughs> it helps your muscles absorb more water so that they like uh recover faster and um you know just help with gains and whatnot. Oh, huh, okay. Essentially I never it's, heard of that. it's an organic compound with nominal formula. It exists in various modifications and solution. Creatine is found in vertebrates when it facilitates recycling of uh, anyways, whatever. It's, I could have yeah. looked it up on Google. I, I was, was asking Derek. She really knows what she's talking about. It almost sounds like she Googled it. <laughs> I did Google. I know what it is, but I, it's, it's easier to just yeah, like Google it. Yeah, I know what it is. It's I don't really put it on phone poles. Yeah. It helps my muscles get bigger, hopefully. <laughs> Derek's, Derek's putting lines of it and snorting it like cocaine. Go figure. Basically. Derek says something that makes him happy is, is about his body. <laughs> you know what? <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're happy that you're happy with your body. Um, 
Okay, what's making there. me happy this week? Uh, I'm going to take the theme from last week and continue it, continue it on this week, which is about my nails. We had a whole conversation about nail salons last week. But uh, so actually earlier this year in January, I made a decision that I wanted to learn how to do my own nails. Um, Even and though it's I actually, said you should focus on other things first. Sorry? You don't remember that conversation? No, I don't. <laughs> Where you, you announced that you were going to focus on doing your nails. And I was like, you should focus on other things, honey. What should I focus on? <laughs> like your face. <laughs> <laughs> see, truthy, see what I mean? This is what I was talking about when I said we could tell Derek was dieting. Yeah, you need some more of that. Candy. You don't remember that conversation? I, I don't. I don't remember. I, I remember. I, I I posted that response, and I was literally crying, laughing as I posted. Carb free, Derek's mean. Uh, I am it's okay. Shady. It's fine. Anyways, <laughs> listen, I have a very pretty face, okay? <laughs> Anyways, but uh no, I I made that decision because getting your nails is really expensive and um and it's it, But I, TikTok helps you save money on them. No, no, TikTok, <laughs> no, TikTok helps me find the right salon with the right esthetician, but it, it's not about saving money. No, you want you want quality when it comes to nails, but no, you guys, can I speak, please? <laughs> like, God. Anyways, but yeah, I made this decision that I wanted to get my own my own nails done. I wanted to learn how to do it. Um, and um, and I started doing it. And it it's really hard. It's a lot harder than you think it is, um, especially if you want it to be done like the way the professionals do it, quote unquote. But uh, I'm really happy because last week, I think I'm, I did the, the best nails I've done since... I started this journey and I'm just, I'm so happy with how they look and it makes me really happy. Okay. I know none of you guys care about this, but for a woman, this is really, really important. Okay. Well, hearing, hearing, you talk, hearing you talk about doing your nails, like brings back, like I can smell that <laughs> smell. Like my mom was a I cosmetologist for 15 smell. years. And so I, I, the smells of hair dyes and fingernails and all that, like, I cannot get that out of my, oh, my I memory. love the smell of nail polish. <laughs> you're, you're wrong, Shruti. I, I care about it. I, I okay, don't give good. a shit about fingernails, but I, <laughs> I care that you found something that makes you happy. Yeah. It, it, it's, and that's um, the important part. Thank you. Yeah. It, it, I've been, I do it. And every time I, I sit down to do it, it's, uh, I, I throw on a podcast or I throw on, um, the office or something that like I've watched a million times and I just do it. And it's very therapeutic. It's like this, this time just for myself. Like I work out every day, but that's a whole other area of like mental health. Like I want to take care of my health and my body and stuff, but this is just something added to that. And it just, it makes me feel really happy. So I totally get that. I, I cut my own hair and I just like when I'm doing we it, can and shut up, Jerry, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I, I was going to say something, uh, but immediately thought, I thought of Stevie Myrick. Wonder cut your hair, to be honest. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and y'all oh call God. me shady. Anyways, no, yeah, listen, I, I the cut reason my own why hair he said and, that. Like, I, I the, always like put on like music or like or like a TV show. Like I'll just have my, my computer propped up somewhere and while I'm cutting my hair. I'll just watch and like. Uh, yeah, no, I get, I get, I get the whole like therapeutic thing. Like it's. You know, I miss going to like, you know, a barbershop, but like, I don't know. I like the money that I'm saving by just doing it myself. That was a good yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, was that a good was movie. A good, I, I like Beauty Shop, though. That was a good movie. I love Queen Latifah. I didn't see that one. Oh, you should watch it with Queen Latifah. Oh, okay. it's so hilarious. So I liked both of them. Both of them were really good. 
Anyways. Okay. I want to end it there. Um, For our listeners, wherever you're listening, whether it's morning, in the afternoon, or at night, thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us, especially today's episode, which was full of banter. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed it. And we will catch you all (laughs) next week. (laughs) Bye. Adios. Bye. Bye.